everybody. I'm Vanessa Oshima, and welcome to the Outrun Cancer podcast. Outrun Cancer started back in 2012 when I made a promise to a friend that I would run every day for her to support her cancer journey. Cancer can be a really lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. And that's something that I've learned through my cancer journey, the running journey. And I'd like to share with you the stories, the information, the learnings. We call them the life learnings from running, life learnings from cancer. And so that's what we're going to do with this podcast. If you're going through a cancer journey and you want just a little bit of hmm, inspiration, a little bit of information, or just some good stories, come join us on Outrun Cancer. And you don't actually have to be a runner to be able to be part of this. Come listen. Hi, everybody. I thought I would start this Outrun Cancer podcast with a little bit of a review of a post. You know how Facebook sometimes says, you know, this happened three years ago and things like that. And this one came up today. I just thought I would read it as a bit of an intro. So here we go. Day 2,388. Today was day one of an amazing experience with the Starbucks Origin Tour team. A chance to understand and feel the coffee journey in Sumatra. It was supposed to be an amazing day. I got up early at 5am to run in the dark along the small stretch of road by the hotel. All going well. A few cars, some barking dogs, calls to prayer. And then just at the end of the run, I stepped in a large pothole and it twisted my ankle. I really felt it twist. Quickly went to the medic to get ice and we assessed it. Yep, not so good. Need to ice it, keep it up. But we're going to coffee farms and I need to walk on uneven dirt. So I ice it when I'm in the bus, put compression socks on and a hiking boot on to go visit the farms. Walking carefully, I managed through the day. So it was a shitty start to the day, but I was determined to not let it ruin my experience. I was here to learn, to feel and to experience the amazing coffee journey. So this got me thinking. There are days and weeks and jobs and moments that are supposed to be great and then something really shitty happens and we again have choices. We can let that shitty thing take over the day, the moment, our week, or even our life. Or we can decide for it to be a small shitty part of that day and not let the rest of the great experience be affected. So that's what I did. I did my icing on the bus, my experiencing with a smile, and focused mind and heart on the farms and the farmers, and had the most amazing day. Thank you, Sumatra, even if I'm not in love with your potholes. Life learnings from running. Shitty stuff happens, but don't let it ruin the good stuff. Keep it separate, deal with the shitty stuff, and then enjoy the awesome stuff. Cancer is shitty, but don't let it ruin the good things in your life too. Tomorrow's run is going to be slow. <laughs> so that was a few years ago, actually three years ago, and was uh, my life learning from running. I'd like to introduce you to uh, Katie, who's going to come up with and talk a little bit about some more of these kind of don't let cancer rule your life learnings as well. Katie and I know each other as cancer survivors, but now we don't really connect on cancer. We connect on running. So welcome to the new episode, myself and Katie, who's joining us in from, well, listen, and you'll find out where she's coming from. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Outrun Cancer. This is kind of an exciting one. We're basically stepping outside again of Japan and we're welcoming a friend of mine. Where are you right now, Katie? I'm sitting in my home office in Rostock, Germany. Rostock, Germany. Okay. I don't know exactly where that is in relation to big cities. So Berlin, Frankfurt. North of Berlin. Mm -hmm. 
230 kilometers north of Berlin. Okay, fantastic. And the Baltic Sea coastline. Oh, okay, by the beach. Yeah, by the sea. Fantastic. Okay, so Katie, how about we tell everybody how you and I know each other? So how do we meet? Because <laughs> I think this is a fun story. This is about how running brings people together. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, when you asked me uh, to take part in your podcast, I started checking these things. When did we start <laughs> chatting with each other? Can you remember the time? I, you know what? I think it was, I remember you coming to run with me in Berlin in 2000. Oh, this was long after the after that. So, okay. So I remember that's the thing where, where I first met you actually in Berlin, but we actually were part of a, a group together, like a running sort of chat group together for a bit. Right. Yeah. I, I somewhere read your post where you wrote that you had done the six marathons, the six oh, yeah. major marathons. The six major marathons, yes. And then your question, what comes next? And then ah, yes. cancer yeah. club? Yes. Question mark. Yes. And I thought, wow, there's somebody who's not okay with his own disease, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's why I answered. Mm -hmm. And then we started chatting mm. in the method. Yes. yes. And this must have been beginning of November 2017. 2016 was when I finished the six the six majors. And then 2017 was when I was diagnosed with cancer. So I'd finished, you and I came into contact after the marathon majors. For everybody who's not quite sure, what the hell are these six majors? <laughs> We keep talking about the six majors, the six majors. So the six majors, uh, well, like anything, uh, you know, have you know, majors for tennis and your majors for golf. Marathon has its six major events as well. What's cool about the six marathon majors is that Ordinary people like me and Katie, we can run them. We can't go to Wimbledon and we can't go to, you know, PGA golf tournaments, but we can actually run the six majors. So the six majors are, uh, Katie, how many of them have you done already? Four. Four. You're, missing, four. you're missing Tokyo and? London, uh, and Boston. Tokyo and Boston. Okay, cool. So there's the first two out of those. It's Tokyo and Boston. The other is London. Uh, and then you have Chicago. New York, and of course, Berlin. <laughs> so, and Ber Berlin was my final marathon for the six majors. Right. Uh, I tell you, Katie, I messed that one up. So I, I wanted to run all my six majors as sub four hours, you know, for marathon runners. And I hadn't really researched the course very well. And I thought that it finished at Brandenburg Gate. So, and I was running and running and I was so close to like I'm gonna make four hours I'm not gonna make four hours and I crossed Brandon Gate at three hours 59 on my watch and I was like yes I made it but the uh -uh. finish line is about 200 <laughs> meters that's the worst part of all in Berlin many like, don't know about that and I was running and I was like oh my gosh I made it I made it and then it, my time was actually four hours one minute and I don't know something which is oh damn <laughs> So I'm going to have to go back so I can do some more. Anyway, okay, so so Katie and I, so I mentioned that we're in a group, and then I said, you know, now I'm part of the cancer club. And Katie reached out to me to say that she was also a cancer survivor as well. And we had a bit of a chat, just you and I, in, in the messaging. And then it just so happened that I was going to Berlin uh, for a conference. And this was two weeks after the Berlin Marathon 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe only 10 days or something like that. I was, <laughs> was just, I had just run the marathon in Berlin and then you reached out and told me that you are in Berlin. And I said, oh, 
in that place, I will come to Berlin to run with you the, your five kilometers. Yes. Your daily five kilometers. And so we did. Yeah. In the early morning. Hours. We did. We, you know, we ran. So she came to me because you said it's 200 kilometers or so from Berlin. So you drove for a couple of hours to come to Berlin. In fact, I got up at three o'clock. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Crazy runners. <laughs> And remember, we were running around the Golden Elves. That's, the, That's right. The victory Column and got lost. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and so we so, ran eight kilometers that day. I think we did. <laughs> and then I got changed and I went to the conference and you came and saw me present at the conference um, as well. It was very so, interesting. Right? Yeah. So that was about, I was presenting about brand Ikigai, which is about having your own brand and being able to be joyous and, and with your brand and know your passions and things like that. So I'm really grateful to have connected with Katie and we basically were, were running and we're doing all of these things. But as we said, one of the first things that connected us was the fact that we are both cancer survivors. So Katie, tell me a little bit about your cancer journey. Yeah, I had the same cancer like you. It was breast cancer. Mm. I was 45 when I was diagnosed mm. and... Yeah, uh, for all those people who had cancer and uh, who, who had gone through this process of just the first suspect and then the biopsy and then the confirmation of that, all oh, this is the, the hardest time ever, I think. Mm. Uh, I've gone through that time for, from August the 8th in 2014, which mm. was the golden wedding day of my parents. Oh, wow. I still remember the day when we had the party at home with my parents and I was sitting there knowing that I, I might have cancer mm. and all the others were just having their party and I was sitting there grieving around, of course, and mm. this was horrible, of course. Yeah. yeah. And then I had the first surgery where they checked my limbs and this was in September and on the 1st of October 2014, I had my mastectomy and... I celebrated my birthday, my 46th birthday in hospital. Mm. Funny thing was, well, I didn't tell anybody about that. Only my partner, you and my son, of course. Mm. I didn't tell anybody else. And I got many phone calls that day for my birthday. And only one person asked me where I am because just the sound was a different <laughs> mm. And I said, oh, I'm fine. I'm some, somewhere there uh, on a business meeting. Mm. Yeah, but so nobody knew that. And this Talk was my way. Yeah, I was going to say, talk talk to me about how you chose to not tell anybody to. So, because there's some people like I told people when people were asking me, and I was like, "Yes, I've got cancer. I'm going to do this." And you know, so I I told people, and I got what I call my support group around me, <laughs> and <laughs> and I had so many visitors at the hospital. Um, people were coming. You know, you've got this. Go go go. So you made a decision to even when somebody was phoning you and saying hey the sound is a bit different you're like oh yeah, yeah business meeting in the background <laughs> so talk to me about the thought process in your mind about not telling people wanting to just keep it very close and very tight so in fact i am somebody uh, if something bad happens then i do that for myself only mm -hmm. it has always been that way and i asked my partner not to tell anybody I asked my son not to tell anybody. Mm. I told my parents only and his parents only after the after the operation. Mm. Mm. Days after that, when they came for my birthday party, <laughs> <laughs> hospital. Yeah. And then I told them, "Well, uh, I must tell you something." I realized that there are quite many people who would do the same. So, for instance, my father-in-law, 
who was diagnosed, I think three years ago or something like that, um, decided the same mm. without t- uh, speaking with me about that. And I said, I can completely understand that. Mm. Yeah, you know, so there are people who just need the support from outside and if something bad happens to me, then I try to do that with myself. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting, right? There's no one way to do it. Like for some people, they need people around them. And for other people, it's like, I just want to deal with it with just, you know, my internal thing. What was really interesting for me is because people knew then a lot of people were trying to help, right? And, and sometimes you're getting a lot of advice and a lot of stuff. And it's just like, oh my God, there's just too much noise. There's just too much, you know, right. yeah. I remember one like two years until I realized, okay, I start now that I can speak about that. Ah, so today, wow. this is no issue at all. This is completely okay for me to speak about my cancer because it's over. It, I don't suffer from it. I don't let the cancer be in the spotlight of my life. So this is something I don't wake up in the mornings thinking, uh, well, I'm a cancer survivor. Poor me. It's just the <laughs> other way around. Uh, I get. I, I wake up. How's the weather outside? Uh, oh, a little bit sunny, a little bit cold. Best running weather. Taste <laughs> up the shoes and get out. You know, mm. this is my thinking, my way of thinking. But I also realize that, that people are thinking completely different about that. Do you ever That's think about cancer at all much now, or not at all? Zero. No. Not zero. Um, I like to have to be checked by the doctors. Yeah, this is what is what um, makes me just thinking about that. It's okay. I have it. Mm-hmm. And it's always that somewhere hanging uh, above me, like a yeah. democlus sword. Do you yeah. say that? Yeah. 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 And each time when I go there, I have a strange feeling. What if? What if it comes back? Mm. Because I have a very nice aunt. She is 85 now. She uh, was diagnosed mm. also with breast cancer, I think, four years ago. Mm. And then came back last year and she had the next uh, operation. Wow. Yeah. The age of 84, yeah. you know, and. I think the what yeah, if, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the what if, because you go, I, I do the same thing. Like, you know, I've just come on five years yeah. now, so I've just finished my five years and you're in there and they, yeah, thank you. Uh, and, you know, when we were doing it, they found like this, this lump in my left breast and they take forever, you know, how they do when the ultrasound and then they're taking you and while I was waiting, you know, because you have to wait for a bit and you're like, wow, what if, what if, and what goes through your mind when you're thinking that what if? You know, I have decided that there is no what if. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have decided never ever in my life I will get cancer again. Okay. Just just in my mind and this is how I live. Yeah. So there is no option what if, to be honest. <laughs> of course, I something think about that and... Well, you know, um, nowadays I have my father-in-law who suffers from cancer, who has decided when it came back not to be treated again. Oh, okay. And he is in his final stadium now. I think it is okay. He had had made this decision yeah. and he's 79. Yeah. I think so that's really interesting about this making the decision because you yeah. you said, I made the decision. I'm not getting it. That's just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was sitting there going, what if? Um, this was literally, this was only a few weeks ago. And I was thinking, what if, what if? And I thought, you know what? It'll be okay because I did it once. You I can do, do it fun. again. <laughs> and so I think similar to your what if, it's not that, oh, I won't get it. It was like, what if it happens? It's like, 
yes, it'll come back and I will deal with it the same way I dealt with it the first time around, which is we make the decisions, we get things done, we get a plan. And that plan might be deciding I'm not having cancer. No. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, in my former life before my cancer, I sometimes thought, what if I have cancer? Oh, wow. Really? And then I got it. <laughs> and now I think, what if I have no cancer? Mm. And I won't have it. You know, yeah. this is my yeah. way of thinking. Think it. you, you, like it's like, know, right, in your mind. The yeah. That the body interferes then I can't do anything than having it. But yeah. as you say, I beat it once and I will, will be beat it a second time. Yeah. I think what I found really interesting just now when you were talking, you were, it, maybe it's because the days, but you were able to tell me the exact day you were diagnosed. Like, you know, it was, you know, August 8th. Maybe it was because it was, you know, the wedding anniversary. And then, the, you know, I had the operation on my birthday and things like that. No many, how many years that end? For example, my husband had cancer back in 1998. Nine. He's he still <laughs> he still remembers the day. You know, it was actually Valentine's Day. You know, and then the, the day after. So it's amazing how these these things stick in our mind, but maybe they become smaller. And then when we are asked about them, we can bring it back, and the memory can come back very quickly. But we choose to. I think um, you said it's not my spotlight any longer. If you have a stage and cancer's on the main stage with the spotlight, when you're sick and you're dealing with it. Now, whereabouts is cancer on your stage or in the thing? Is it in the back row? Is it second row, third row? There's something which is very far behind me, to be honest. Yeah. 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 This is how I deal with that. For me, this is just, I know I am a survivor. And uh, if I can help people, then I do that by mm -hmm. talking about that. This is okay for me. But um, I never try to be, or I try to be never angry, never mm. anxious, never frightened. So also if somebody tells me that he has cancer, so it's not that scary for me because I know you can survive it. Mm, mm. First thing I do is asking how bad is it? What is the stage of it? Yeah. Uh, what did the doctor say? What will the therapy be? Mm, mm. Yeah, so I'm more pragmatic about these things. <laughs> Can I say that's German? <laughs> no, I know Germans who are... Not pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I love that because a long time ago, cancer used to be such a, you know, you have cancer and then it was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Now what we're dealing with or cancer is like, okay, so what kind of cancer is it? What kind of stage is it? How far along are we? What are you having to do? You know, there's a bunch of questions and with each question, we get a little bit clearer on what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be doing it. So I think that's a big journey that cancer is going through as well. And that we have to also realize that cancer is not unbeatable. Yeah. It's beatable. Yeah. What was the hardest part of your cancer journey? Like if you think back and go, Oh, that was hard. What part was the hardest part? It was really the time uh, between the suspect and the diagnose, the final uh, diagnose. Yeah, the, right. The waiting in between. And when I had the biopsy, they told me, well, it is beatable. Mm. And that moment I came clear with that. And I said, okay, then I can do that. I can, mm -hmm. I can beat it and I will beat it. So I had my son, he was 10 years old. Mm. Uh, the hardest decision was also to, uh, whether to tell him or not. Mm. And I did because mm. I thought he is part of our family. We are only three in our family. Mm. And I thought, 
well, I will need him, I will need my partner, and I, I will need their power. And so and mm. I involved him. What mm. was really good mm. to see it from today's point of view. So how did you how do you tell a 10-year-old? How did you do it? In fact, he checked my phone <laughs> and found some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't he was he was surfing around on your phone and found and I picture? was very angry with him because he was not allowed to take my phone. <laughs> And then I said, okay, you saw these pictures, there's a reason. And he said, I know you have breast cancer. And I said, yes, why do you know? Mm. And that moment he started crying mm. because he didn't know. And he didn't think of that. He just said it to be just... Uh, to be smart or something, yeah. yeah. And then he started crying and I said, well, uh, we decided to tell you, we, my, uh, his dad and me, mm -hmm. uh, we decided to tell you because you are part of our, of our family. You know, and we want we don't want to have you somewhere else, but it uh, just was in the uh, was in the whole process. Mm. And at this moment, he started growing up more and more. Mm. That we took him for serious, and he liked that idea. And so he was with me all the time. This was mm. perfect. yeah. Mm. How to tell a ten-year-old boy? This is really a very hard thing. But I had a good reason to tell him. Because I was <laughs> he, found, he found it on your phone already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, not good if a, if a 10 year old boy sees the breast pictures of his mom, I think. <laughs> that was probably traumatic as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was crying because of this. <laughs> About the pictures. But, and, and at that moment, the pictures were quite okay still. Yeah. This was before my surgery, of course. Yeah. So you said um, that. Uh, the hardest part was that waiting in between, like yes. between the, you know, I might have cancer and then the diagnosis and knowing that it's beatable. If you think back then, what could you have possibly done differently that would have made that easier? Or what could we, because I, I agree with you, that waiting is really hard. So, and I don't know about you, but I was Googling everything. I was, <laughs> I was trying to thing that you can do. To Googling everything is the worst thing you can do. I totally yes. agree. <laughs> but but we do it anyway. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, you want to know what what is in there. Yeah, and you want to get rid of it. And waiting for the final operation, this was also very hard. I didn't want to have it. There's mm. something in my breast which is not mine, and yeah, let's get yeah. rid of it yeah. as soon as possible. You know, and what? but so, afterwards, yeah. this was just a healing process. It was treatment. It was just curing. It was the sanitary afterwards to, mm. to cure, and all these things and. Yeah, this was also the the point when I started changing my life and I started thinking about my life. Well, to be honest, I was pretty fat before mm. the cancer. Mm. I weighed a little, little less than 100 kilograms, which are right. 220 pounds, yeah. I think. Yeah. In that sanatory, the doctor said to me, uh, I should, should lose weight. Mm. Why? <laughs> I felt good with yeah. my body. Yeah. Beside of the cancer, of course. Mm. So I had other uh, other things to care about than losing weight at that moment. Mm. Mm. So this was, when was it? This was in 2015, but before my second operation, because I had the cosmetic operation afterwards mm. for the second mm. part, and they wanted me to slim down. Why? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like the idea. But they put me on a walking group with some walkers. And I must say that. Hold on. The I, doctor, so help me understand. The doctors put you in a walking group to help. When I was get, in that sanatory yeah. for curing. Okay. Right. Afterwards. Right. So they put me in that group just to, to move, to be active, to, right. to do the first grams maybe. You know, and 
So we had to walk around a little forest in a park, more or less, mm. uh, small rounds on a course with others who were very slow. And then there was <laughs> me. I was a sportsman. I was a very active young girl. <laughs> and I didn't suffer from the cancer anymore. I, was, I, I just wanted to be healthy again. Mm. And so mm. I started walking, mm. powerful walking. Okay. You know, and very soon they told me, Please, Mrs. Yeager, don't don't walk that fast. <laughs> You're making everybody else feel. <laughs> I thought, wow, this can't be possible. Why do they do that? I want to move and stop me from moving, you know. And so, yeah, after three weeks, I came home and I thought I was sitting here in my in, in exactly this room, and I thought, so what to do now with my life? Uh, I started walking. Walking was quite nice. I'm out in fresh air. I can do that everywhere at any time. Why not doing that uh, for the next years? And then I started walking at home and I felt that my legs wanted to be faster. Ah. So, <laughs> so I was, that was going to be my next question was you, you and I are, we, we came together because of running. And so I yeah. wanted to know when you became a runner or how you took up running. So it went from walking to yes. now I want to walk faster and now I want to go faster. And so you you decided to take up running. So walking was not enough for me uh, <laughs> after a while, maybe after two, three months. And then I had an app on my phone which told me just do walk, run. Mm. Later I did run, walk, and then I did running. <clears throat> and this way it all developed and I started running just yeah. for fun. And I thought, well, running is okay. It is cheap. I can do it. At any time, anywhere, yeah. I can do it alone. I don't need a partner for doing that. And hmm. yeah. life taught me something else. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your first marathon? This was, in fact, the Hamburg Marathon mm -hmm. in 2018 in preparation to the Berlin Marathon in 2018. And three weeks later, I ran in Chicago. Wow, yes, I remember. That was exactly on my 50th birthday. So wow. this was the highlight at all. And you met my friend, my, my Japanese friend in Chicago. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, on, that, yeah. On, on that marathon, I started meeting international people. So you connected me with uh, your friend from Tokyo, mm. who is a very nice guy and we are still in contact. And yeah. then at the start line, um, I met a runner from Sweden, from Stockholm. And mm. we talked about another event, uh, Ragnar Relay which should take place in Stockholm the next year then in 2019 mm -hmm. and she was so interested in that and we started talking and we also changed our Facebook accounts and we friended each other right there wow. at the start line you know yeah. and so we got into contact and we are still in contact was that mm. the lady and we will do a Ragnar this year in America in six weeks. I know you actually sent you sent me that yes. link, and I yes. should have joined. I maybe <laughs> it was I just have, I have a spot left. You still can do that. Okay, so after this, let's okay. let's revisit that and see if I'm running okay. Ragnar with so, you. And <laughs> right, and then right after the marathon, still a very funny episode in my life. I was on a platform waiting for my train to the Airbnb in mm -hmm. Chicago completely exhausted very <laughs> yes. happy that I did it with my medal around my neck and <laughs> an Asian looking person came up the stairs more exhausted more happy also with that medal and I looked at him and we smiled we started laughing we, did, we didn't stop laughing the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes and we started speaking and changing our ideas about the marathon and 
uh, how many marathons did you run? Well, one before Berlin. He did the mm. same. Like oh, me. wow. Yeah. And so this was so exciting that he was running from Hong Kong and we are still in contact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this really made friends forever. So the yeah. Chicago Marathon was a real highlight. I liked it so much. I ran in five hours, 45 seconds. Wow. Oh, my I God. wanted to do it in under five hours, but no way. This was because I had a chat, a nice chat to my partner and my son who, who were cheering me on. And this mm -hmm. was at worst. No doubt about it. <laughs> exactly on my 50th birthday. Yeah. So it's yeah. Some, more, some more marathons. Yeah. Chicago is also a really nice marathon in that um, it's actually really easy for the spectators to move and you know i know my husband was supporting me and cheering me in, in chicago and he actually saw me three times on the course because you know the trains and things like that work really well and i think that's another thing like with marathon running too is like the cheering is really great and then having your people around you and things like that so yes you built this community so i want to talk a little bit about this community this global community that you <laughs> that katie has built <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah <laughs> honestly so katie's power is amazing right so as we heard you know katie is a cancer survivor but she decided that cancer is not going to be in the spotlight uh, that she will choose to um, keep it behind her and moving forward. And Katie became part of running. So as we all know, we all went through Corona and COVID. And as we were going through Corona and COVID in 2020, all the marathon races disappeared. So usually we would be, actually, I need to highlight that. Katie came to Tokyo in, uh, <laughs> uh, because she was supposed to run Tokyo Marathon in 2020. and we were getting all prepared for it and everything. And then in the end, it, it got canceled. Made, yeah, canceled for regular runners. So the um, the elite runners, it still happened. But Katie and Okubo-san, who she'd met in Chicago, my friend, uh, and Zwali from, um, from Myanmar uh, was here as well. And we decided to run to the start line of the Tokyo Marathon. <laughs> so we all got together and we ran down to the start line to get a photograph of ourselves at the start line. <laughs> and then the next day, we, the marathon day, everybody came to my house and we had um, breakfast and watched, uh, you know, the marathon happen itself. So 2020, unfortunately, meant that a lot of us who would normally be, oh, we're going to run this or we're going to run that and I'll see you in London or I'll see you in Chicago or I'll see you somewhere. We were not able to do that. So Katie came up with this idea. So let's talk about this idea that kind of started out in 2020. What made what made you come up with the idea? You remember that you were also part of that? I was. Well, you I, you basically <laughs> said about that. I I said you know let's. You asked me about what to call it, and I was and so yeah. But and this was a little bit later then. Yeah, it was our great human race thing. Yeah, yeah this was yeah. Um, shortly after Tokyo that I thought. Okay, we can't run anymore, but I wanted to do a half marathon. And mm. I asked you and my coach, trainer, and friend in the US to run together at the same time. You in the evening, me at midday, and the one in the US, US. in the early morning hours. And mm. he was the one who couldn't arrange that <laughs> because he had to work and told me some other things. And <laughs> sorry, everybody, this is a, that. I was going to say, this is a podcast, so you're only hearing our voices. I wish you could see Katie's face right now. And she was like, nah. 
<laughs> so you can't see the the kind of the the gestures that were happening of like what couldn't do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was I was a little bit annoyed, disappointed. I don't know. I can't I can't describe yeah. it. And well, you in Japan, you were all the time. Yeah, we we can do it at that time, at that time, at that time. The one in America couldn't do it. <laughs> and then, then I, I was sitting here thinking, hmm, what if there was ah, uh, there we go. What if what if I ask other runners in the world to join me? And I thought, well, I can't get them all at the same time. No mm -hmm. way because of the different time zones. And then I thought, okay, if everybody runs between nine and ten in the morning hours, Saturday at Easter time, then we have a kind of relay around the world. Why not doing that? And mm -hmm. so it was one week before that day, so the Saturday before Easter, um, uh, that I posted this idea on maybe five or six Facebook groups, running groups. Gosh. And it took, I think, five minutes that I had the first registration yeah. <laughs> I... someone from Northern Ireland. And I thought, whoa, okay. But it was my late night that day and I went to bed and... Yeah, when I woke up, there were more than 30 from and, different countries. Yeah. And I remember Whoa. I remember talking about this because uh, a long time ago, uh, Nike had done a race called the Human Race, which was like everybody running at the same time all around. And it was like the Human Race kind of thing. And it was such a great idea. And then when you said everybody runs from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., no matter, you know, on Saturday, you have to run from 9 to 10. And you have to run that whole hour pretty much because then you hand off the the baton to the next thing. And I remember thinking New Zealand is actually probably the first country that will probably start right. 9 a.m. And so I was like, because New Zealand is the first country to get that, the, the sunrise. So I'm from New Zealand. And so I was started recruiting people. <laughs> so I have a friend, Kate, who Kate has run New York Marathon with me. Um, and she also has run Boston as well. So Kate and I was like Kate you have to run from nine to ten because <laughs> otherwise we don't have a starter you know and then it was then it was like me texting some friends in Australia basically who are you know one hour later you have to run <laughs> so it was uh, so I became almost in charge of Asia of making sure that the baton because you had friends in Hong Kong but it was like making sure that we kind of got Asia <laughs> the, the time zones uh, right. there but yeah, I just say people joined And this was so amazing. And I remember that Thursday, that Tuesday then, when I had more than 100 runners, I came to my partner and said, um, I have to talk to you. Uh, I have done something, uh, um, which is overwhelming me. And I think I won't have any time on Saturday because I want to be online all the time. And he looked at me and didn't know what, what I am spe speaking of. And then I told him and he, he smiled, but he supported me all the time. Thank God. And that day then I was all the time I was online, on air, so to say, uh, on our Facebook page. Yeah, and I remember. And watch me and we had so much fun and it was so interesting just following the baton, you know, yeah. just yeah. around the world. And I took the very last um the very last leg where nobody lives anymore yeah so when the day was done and then it was over it was such an amazing feeling was, for yeah. all the people i think and we were approximately 650 runners wow yeah. and yeah on that facebook group within one week 2000 followers wow 
What a marketing! <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, I still remember because I was like, we were chatting about it. We were trying to get it to happen, and we were like, "What should we name it?" And yeah, and things like that. What was so your? Amazing. It's your power. Can I ask you? Did you actually sleep on that day at all? No, no, not. So at you all. stayed awake for twenty four hours. Because I, I mean, I went to more, sleep, but I can't remember. I went and ran and then I was, and then I would come back on and you're still there and you're like in the dark now. And I'm like, she's not sleeping. Is she okay? <laughs> Somebody feeding, <laughs> somebody's feeding her. <laughs> Very many like, asked. Or it's like, is she twins? Is she twins or triplets? And we've just got like clones yeah. coming in. <laughs> <laughs> would like to be, it would be a, a, yeah. good, a good idea, of course. Yeah. No, yeah. I did, did the same last year. Yes. And was always, also awake and will do the same this year. And on April 16th and then let's rock it let's yeah, run a, let's run again uh, around the world yes yeah, so I think this is the thing which is you know finding things that connect people um, that just is really simple and fun and we can support each other I think um, what was really interesting for this was when you started on the first Easter run around the world Easter run was in 2020 when we were just all starting to cope with COVID a little And there was this question about, you know, can I run? I'm in lockdown. Where do I run? How do I run? And there was just all these people, you know, they weren't making excuses. They were trying to find ways to do it, which was really interesting. So rather than saying, oh, I can't, it was like, how do I do it? And, you know, I ran with my son and his girlfriend and we were like, we're going to have to run for the whole hour. So it's probably about 10 kilometers. How can we figure this out? You know, kind of thing. And, and so, you know, it was fun planning it. And knowing that we were handing the baton off, like when we finished, we were like, okay, Japan's done, next country, you know, <laughs> go Singapore, you know, kind of thing. So, and it just felt like we were all really connected. And, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. I think that's also too, that something maybe listening to you, I've learned as well, which is, you know, we get to choose how we take on things. We can make an excuse Uh, you know, I can't do it. It's too hard. You could have said to your husband, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed with this thing now. Or your partner, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, <you> have to. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, exactly. But you decided, you, it's like with cancer, like you said, if it comes back, I will just fight it. I'll do it because I have to. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's no other choice. There's no other choice. You know, this is the way forward. And what I love also too, is this was kind of an idea for help us connect during Corona and COVID and things like that. But you did it again last year and you're doing it again this year, even though Corona and COVID is a little less constricting and we can basically travel a bit. So I think you've started something which is going to keep on going on for a bit. This was not expected at all, of course. Yeah. yeah. It is amazing when I know, well, the registration is open. Mm. People are texting me. I'm still doing that very informal with uh, uh, via personal messages to me wow. mm. you know and I'm, I'm doing everything manually more or less <laughs> but I love talking to the people hey you are yeah. back great welcome again uh, to Easter World Run number three and all these things and some yeah. of them when when I uh, asked them do, do you want to run with us again of course and no doubt 
And I'll just tell everybody just before we started this, um, and I was talking with Katie, and Katie's like, Vanessa, you haven't registered yet. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> yeah, Vanessa, I'm still waiting for you, but I can see your registration. <laughs> yeah, so I will, I, as soon as we finish chatting, I will do my registration. <laughs> so, so April 16th. So, uh, so let's just give everybody who's listening um, a little bit of a hint about what it is so that if they would like to take part, they can. So, and we'll put um, in the podcast you know, the, in below, we'll put the links so that everybody can go, go find. So April 16th, and it's in your own time zone, 9am to 10am. So wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in the world, it's 9am your time to 10am, and then it gets passed to the next person. So, uh, so not so hard, you know, it's not like it's a crazy hour of the morning. It's, you know, 9am, 10, you know, <laughs> and and maybe uh, we'll put the Facebook page as well. So you can go find the Facebook page and you can start connecting with people from all around the world because it really is really cool. Anything else, Katie, that you'd like to add? No, oh, and they have cool T-shirts. So Katie makes cool T-shirts. <laughs> to be seen on the Facebook page, right. <laughs> and the funny thing is that on the T-shirt, you have the stickers for the years that, that you ran the, the, uh, the Easter World Run. Ah. So there are people who have only... Uh, to 2020, others have 2020-21, others mm -hmm. have uh, all three years, like I, for instance, others have only 21-22 and are very, very sad that they can't <laughs> get here for 2020 because they have to take part. Yeah, people try to negotiate, but no way. That's nice. So, yeah. I will like seeing the spots all over the world. And what I wanted to say is what amazes me really is that I know many people now from all over the world, more or less it's uh, only virtually, but I see that that many friendships arose, mm. not only with me and others, but also amongst the others. Yes. And now that we will do the uh, Ragnar in South Carolina mm. at the end of April, we will be, I think, four or five runners from the so-called great races. Wow. That's yeah, fantastic. This, this is really amazing. So this yeah. is nothing, nothing only for the day or for the other races which we did afterwards, but it's also for something for the life, you know, yeah. French yeah. for a very long time, maybe for the rest of the lives. Mm -hmm. And this is what makes me so proud of all my runners. Mm. Yeah. You know, and very often they they tell me, "Thank you so much, Katie, that you do this." And I, mm -hmm. I can only say, "Thank you all so much that you that you join us." I would say exactly that, Katie, which is, first of all, thank you for the time and effort and passion that you put into it. And yeah, you know, but it's the same with me with the Outrun Cancer when I'm running every day and then people pledging that they would run 50 days with me. And they were like, well, I can't run every day forever like you do, but I'll run one month with you and those kinds of things. And it's like these people making an effort to be part of it. And then it becomes something really interesting and, and, and fun. Yeah. So Maybe one last question, and then we'll uh, we'll look at the learnings. So the the final question I have, and then maybe if you would like to ask me a question, you can. Any advice? So there's two things on advice. One is cancer journey. So if you've got any advice on just final words on the cancer journey, um, anybody who might be supporting somebody in a cancer journey, going through waiting for their results like you were now. So one piece of advice for that. And then the second piece is like, you said, I want to get faster. Like you said, you know, I was walking and I want to get faster. There's a lot of runners out here 
to like we're like i just want to get a little faster <laughs> so this podcast is outrun cancer so we'll have a final word on cancer journey and we'll have a final word on running journey so the first one any advice that you would like to give people uh, that might be going through or supporting somebody with a cancer journey right now yeah maybe not to be too scared mm. just compare your own situation to others and Be brave, just you can survive that. Mm. There are so many people in the world who survived it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think listen to your body. I think that's yeah. really important to listen to your body. And when you're tired, rest. You know, I think marathon running teaches you that too, right? Which is like, you know, when you, <laughs> when you feel good, go for it. And, you know, really push. And when you feel tired, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. My coach always says sleep and sleep and sleep. <laughs> yeah have restless nights yeah okay so the other the second question then your advice to people who want to get faster because i know that that was on your mind too i want to get faster <laughs> in fact i don't have this wish anymore well only a little bit mm. but, but because i learned that there is a limit when mm. how to get faster yeah this is a kind of training of course uh, have a good partner have a good supervisor for your trainings have a good trainer good coach who knows about these technical skills. Mm. I need a good physical therapist, for instance, who gives me much advice mm. for getting better with running, how to set the feet, for instance, and my stride. Yeah. And But fast running is not everything. It's just running. If you, you know want what? to get fast, then get a trainer, maybe. Yeah. So that actually, this is something that was really interesting to me because when I first met you, um, there was a lot of, I want to get faster. I want to, I want to beat five hours. I want to do right. And so this was your thing, right? So you were always, I've got a coach and I've got a trainer and I'm going to beat five <laughs> hours. Right. So this is the, this is probably the first time I have heard you say, you know what? I don't care so much anymore. <laughs> I want to, I want to, but I know that, uh, well, I had injuries and yeah. I recovered from them and those injuries um, affect me or affect my running much more yeah. than my cancer did. Yeah. to be honest yeah you know and i hope i get faster but now i have a pace of uh, six minutes six and a half minutes for mm -hmm. one yeah. kilometer which is okay for me yeah. my best one was less than five and a half minutes you know yeah. and yeah if i can't do that anymore i'm happy with, with my running yeah i'm happy i can run yeah let's say you know? i think that's you know really interesting too because before I had, you know, you said once before, before I had cancer, I was a little this or like that. And before I had cancer, I was running sub four and I was like three hours, 30 something. And I was like, <sighs> and then obviously you get cancer and you're on drugs like tamoxifen and things like that. Um, and they change you a little and you get a little slower and my legs get a little swollen and things like that. And I couldn't, I could not go as fast as I was before. And I used to get so angry at myself. You know, it was like, I can do this. I can be faster kind of stuff. And then I just decided to let go and do what you said, which is like, you know what? I can run and I can run a marathon. I can actually run for four hours or more. And that should be enough just to take the pressure off a little bit. I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. And what matters? And putting pressure on yourself sometimes to, you know, be better and stuff is good, but sometimes just sort of saying, you know what, let's just take the pressure off <laughs> and let's just enjoy it, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Okay, Katie. So um, we're go I'm going to go register for the, the great run. Is there any questions or anything you're, <laughs> you'd like to say, ask or anything? Um, and it's been so much fun talking with you. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Thank you so much. My brother lives in Germany, um, in Dusseldorf, um, or close to Dusseldorf, in Duisburg. So um, maybe, maybe you'll be able to see him. <laughs> and uh, you, maybe you'll be able to see him and go running with him. It was interesting. I was there in Europe last week. I went to go see him. And I have to run my 5K and he's a tennis coach. And so he wasn't really, you know, he was in his tennis clothes and he was going to go to the bakery. So he had his bag with him. And, um, and he's, and I was like, where do I run? Like, so I don't get lost. So I don't do what we did, which is like eight kilometers. And, stuff. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'll jog with you down to the bridge and then just go up over the bridge and you can go over the Rhine and then run along the Rhine and then come back again. And I was like, okay. And he started running with me and he had his bag with him and he's in his tennis gear and he's running and we go up and then he just kept running with me. So it was like, he started with the idea that he was just going to show me the way and then go to the bakery. But then he kept running with me and then we ran five and a half kilometers together. He wasn't that great. <laughs> and isn't it, isn't, it was just really nice. Cause it was, I haven't run with him. I don't think I've run with him forever. And you know, I hadn't seen him for three years because of Corona and COVID and things like that. But he's a tennis coach. So his, his life is exercise. And so, you know, sort of like after you've done the whole day of tennis coaching and stuff, the last thing you think about is I want to go for a run. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I haven't really run with him. So this was really cool. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah. He's, I saw that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a good runner too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he wants to join the Easterberg run. You know what? Let me see if we can see whether he'll do the nine o'clock to 10 o'clock journey time with you uh, um, and see if, see if we can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> How many runners are you aiming for this year? In the first year, we had 650. The last year, we had 450. But okay. this was um, uh, like expected. And this year, so far, we have 300, but we still have... How many weeks? Three and a couple, half. Three and a half weeks. So let's see if we can we can double it. You know. So what what might be interesting is that every person who is registered. So we'll share this story with everybody, and you can all go and listen. Everybody who's registered has to, well, not has to, can help us by introducing one more person. Then you'll get six hundred. This would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have friends get friends. Okay. So I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit to registering. And I will commit to getting three more people. Okay, so. Oh, that's great. Okay, so if everybody who's registered, we all say commit to get one more person. Then maybe we'll get to the 600 that we had. And therefore you get a free entry. No! Nah! Like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody. So this running is for free. <laughs> right. Yeah, so just so that everybody's not confused. This is a free thing. Katie takes yeah. no money from anybody. Um, so, you know, this is just from her heart to connect us all around the world as runners uh, and build a community. I think one of the things that I'm so grateful for is the community of runners that are around me and, you know, that we meet together and we smile together. I remember when um, one of our friends in our community of runners, Katie's community of runners, uh, who came to Tokyo from Myanmar, when we saw everything that was going on in Myanmar and things got locked down and, you know, she, it wasn't safe for her to leave her home and things like that. Just everybody came together to say, we're thinking of you. 
you know, we support you. What can we do to help? Is there anything? And, and so building communities, whether it's the cancer club community or the running club community, or just bringing people around you at times can, you know, just, it just can be really nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, so much. Yeah, no, you know, I had a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Um, I'm not sure how long we talked for, but it's probably a five or six K run or seven K run. So um, everybody put their ear, ear pods in and off we go. So Katie, thank you so much joining from Germany. And, you know, Katie is the outrun cancer person, like she's dealing with cancer or has in the past now but also running um, as well and creating great running events. Hopefully everybody, it's not going to rain on the day that we are going to be running around the world and, uh, and we were all going to have a great time. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Katie. First things first, don't forget to maybe join us on the World Easter Run, um, so the great human race around the world, right? Remember, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock in your own time zone, get it done. But listening and talking with Katie again just reminded me of a few things to take away. First of all, it's making sure that you understand what's right for you about how you share your diagnosis, who you share it with, whether you want to keep it uh, to yourself or whether you want to share it and bring it around with people. Every person has a different way of, of dealing with it, I think, and that's, uh, that was one of the big learnings that we had when we were talking with each other. And Katie basically had a switch. You know, when she was told that it was beatable, she listened and said, yes, it's beatable, and I'm going to beat it, and then I'm going to move on. And then she had the walking, and the walking turned into running, and the running turned into marathon running, and the marathon running turned into something really special. And so it's this journey of basically connecting and creating community which she taught me a lot about like making these connections around the world and just staying connected in a community so those were the big two learnings for me the last one that Katie always said to me is that she has chosen not to put cancer in the spotlight of her life uh, which was kind of at the the intro that I was saying where sometimes shitty things happen and we can decide to just make that one part of the whole story or the whole story and, uh, you know, I learned from Katie about putting cancer in its place in your life, but not letting it own your life. So thank you, Katie, for sharing. And, you know, I thought it was really special because you're that cancer story, but then the other half was the running story, which is just such a great story as well. Okay, everybody, um, I'll see you next time in the next episode. listening to today's Outrun Cancer Story. I know telling stories really helps. So now I'd like to ask you to come share your takeaways. Follow us on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Outrun Cancer for some stories, some inspiration, and maybe you might be inspired to put your running shoes on. See you in the next episode.